Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny View from the ninny is proudly sponsored by Cardiff Classic Shirts That's vintage football and rugby shirts sold and bought with cash paid You can find them downstairs inside the pumping station Antiques House on Panarth Road, 11 till 3, Wednesday to Sunday, excluding Cardiff City match days. Here at View from the Ninian, we've brought a number of shirts from Cardiff Classic Shirts and we can vouch for their quality and price. That's Cardiff Classic Shirts inside the pumping station Antiques House on Panarth Road, 11 till 3, Wednesday to Sunday, excluding Cardiff City match days. Welcome to the first view from the Ninian of 2024 as Cardiff get off to the new year with a winning start, 100% record in 2024. One game, one win. Errol Bullets, Shagging Bluebirds, March on. Joining me, as always, on the podcast, Ben Price, Tom Phillips. Ben Price, how's the head? It's not too bad, cheers, mate. Getting there now. Bruising's gone. Do you want to tell the listeners what you did? I think a few people know, but um, yeah, don't Christmas go into full detail. No, it was pretty gruesome. I uh, spent Christmas Eve in the Grange because I managed to smash my eyebrow open, banging into my mate's head, and ended up with 16 stitches in my eyebrow. So yeah. And that was that was his early Christmas present for your late Christmas present. Anything good? I didn't really get a lot this Christmas, being sort of more one forgiving with kids and nieces and nephews and stuff like that. So oh, you're a regular Santa Claus. Tom, any head injuries for you? <laughs> no, no, no head injuries for me. No, I've survived Christmas good. without one. Well done, mate. Um, any good presents? My mum got me a Greg's voucher, and I don't know what that I says I get them for my mum's class. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I it's probably that. good if, yeah, if you're doing New Year's resolutions or anything. Luckily, I'm not. Um, you know, I suppose it's not a great present. To be fair, my New Year's resolution last year was to use chopsticks, and I can do that <laughs> now. So I need to come up with one this year. So any ideas, put them on the back of a postcard um, for me. Ben, have you got any New Year's resolutions? No, I don't do it. I'm like, oh. follow what's that diary of a CEO sort of thing. Now's the time to make the change happen. Be who you want to be. All that nonsense. So, <laughs> um, well, I I think I don't know if it was inspired by. I don't know if you said this yesterday, Tom, but I think I'm just going to try and hit 180 in darts this year. Oh yeah, I did say that yesterday. Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm taking it on as my mantra. I'm going to try and get what you know, at some point hit a 180. Have we had a discussion on what's easier, a 147 or a 18 or a nine dart finish? It's definitely a nine dart, that's easier. Well, nine dart is easier. Yeah, 147 is ridiculously hard to do. Yeah. 
There's been no night darters in the tournament, though, has there, so far this year? I feel like we've gone on a tangent now. Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, it's what the listeners would expect. Um, <laughs> Two minutes in, I, mean, I don't know why we're going on a tangent. We've got a lot of games to talk about because we haven't done a podcast since before Christmas. Um, so we've got the four games from the Christmas period to talk about. Each of them we'll talk about in slightly more detail as we can only really remember the QPR and kind of Plymouth games, really, um, because they're the ones that most happened in and were closest to us. Um, ben, dare I ask, after your head injury, do you remember the 23rd of December and our game against Sheffield Wednesday? 1989, yeah? 1989, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the head injury was the factor in that, not remembering it, to be honest. It wasn't much of a crap game of football, game. wasn't it? It was just... It was very sort of mid-December championship game. It was poor, wasn't it? There wasn't much quality for either side. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really remember from the early exchanges was Will Volks trying to shout at someone on the floor, uh, acting a hard man again when he's just an absolute fucking weed, isn't he? Um, and I can't even remember how they scored, Tom. Do you remember their goal? Oh, I wish you hadn't asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally watched it 10 minutes ago just to remind myself and I've already forgotten because there's been so much that happened since. Go on, Ben. So you remember you'll, know. You'll, you'll know. Ben, do you remember that goal? He's watching it uh, now. I can see it in his glasses. No, like, I can see it in his glasses. <laughs> I've clicked onto the BBC website. Um, yeah, it was, um, wasn't it? Um, what's his name? JC. Collins lost his man he sort of came in from the back post and tapped it in he did do that he did do that I remember our goals better um, Tom do you remember our goals better yes so do I have to elaborate or can I just say yes yeah, yeah. what happened for Grant's goal and I'll go to Ben on the Atete goal Grant's was a good finish to be fair I, I, I think it's bad goalkeeping I don't know whether he just doesn't see it because his body's in front of him but it seems to trickle into that far post a little bit too easily but it's what Grant was doing well. You know, he's added energy to a lot of our games recently and it's a tidy mm-hmm. finish. It's what we've been expecting from him this season. We, I think we would have hoped for a little bit more from him, but it was, yeah, it was a great goal and it was much needed because we were lacking creative ideas all game. Yeah, and Ben, obviously Grant's goal kind of gave us the impetus to go on and win the game, didn't it? I think it was quite a weird football match in the sense that we were rubbish for the whole game, but then as soon as Grant scored, it only looked like one team was going to win it and that was us. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think Grant, the whole Christmas period up until his injury, has been probably our best player. And he's mm-hmm. like, especially going forward, he's the only one that's really looked like he's capable of getting provided sort of goals from open play. Um, I thought he's been brilliant. So yeah, he's it just gave us that energy, didn't it, to crack on and yeah. sort of push for that winner. And then the winning goal, Ben, do you, do you remember it? I do, yeah. I, I can't remember who put it on Twitter. It was someone saying, fair play to Keen Atea. He's uh, got as much credit to that claim to that goal as I do, the way he ran off celebrating. I did enjoy that. Um, it's a stinker for the keeper, isn't it? <laughs> Absolute stinker. It is, but I think I do think Atete deserves more credit than you're giving him there because he followed it up. In a, I in a, did exactly in what no striker has done for a while with us. Like That's yeah. probably my biggest argument with our strikers is they don't get in the right they don't seem to have that knack of getting in the right positions. Ugbo sort of has it if it falls to sort of fell to him in August. But since then, none of them really got in and around the box where you need them to be. So yeah, for him to get there, follow up is great. It's great forward play, but yeah, that keeper, um, well, the Wednesday fans clearly weren't happy with him. They haven't been happy yeah. with him for a while times, things. I mean, it was it was a proper smash and grab, wasn't it, Tom? I'm looking at the goal timers again. Carl and Grant scored in the 74th minute. Then Atete's... I'm going to give it to Atete because I think he deserves it. Um, his goal came on the 88th minute. Um, again, the goal was very much smash and grab. Atete got in on the end of um, a shot. Keeper parried it. It went off their defender. Um, 
but it kind of set the tone for the festive period, didn't it? Because it, it kind of gave us a bit of confidence going into the next couple of games. Yeah, it was kind of scrappy, but enough. And I seem to, that's what our kind of mantra has been for like a number of games the recently. Season. Yeah, the season, to be honest. Yeah, we've there's been very few times where we've been scintillating or smashed the team or anything like that. But, you know, away from home against a team down towards the bottom of the division who are fighting, it doesn't matter how you win. Um, and I like winning ugly, especially if it's late on as well. It kind of adds to it in a way. But, you know, it's, it's the result that matters. And over a congested fixture period, it was a big, big three points because we, we, we weren't performing well up to that point. You know, even when we were winning games against the likes of Millwall, we were poor. So I think as long as you keep adding the results there, you know, we'll be thankful for it, thankful for it later in the season, having these points put on the board early. Um, and I guess, Ben, going moving on to the Boxing Day game, obviously the home game against Plymouth, um, that was a game we ended up drawing. The kind of win against Sheffield Wednesday takes on extra importance, doesn't it? Because, it, again, it was late smash and grab and you might say we drop points against Plymouth. You know, you'd expect to beat them, but um, to get four points from those two games sounds better than at that point to have got one point from the Plymouth game, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's probably out of I think like out of this whole Christmas period, it's, it's the only one result I'm sort of disappointed with. Especially because I thought we started the first half all right. I literally 15 minutes. I was like, that's a decent first 15. That and then they scored was at 16, 17 minutes from Whitaker. Yeah, 18. So, minutes. Like. It's it's it was a real disappointment because I thought like the team they clearly had a bit of encouragement, a bit of momentum building between them from that Wednesday result. They look a bit of encouragement there. And started that first fifteen well. It wasn't like again, it wasn't like the most in- interesting, exciting game of football, but we looked solid enough. And then yeah, a bit of a poor goal to concede, to be honest. Morgan Shittaker. Hey. Um yeah, I agree with you. I think it was one of those games that if either team had won it, they would have said they deserved to win it. Because we drew, we both said we deserved the draw. Both teams deserved the point. And you'd have been unhappy if you'd lost the game. Because there were periods where both teams looked like they were the more likely winners. Um, obviously, you, you say we started well. We had a really good spell at the start of the second half. And then some of Bullet's substitutes perhaps dis, uh, destabilised us. Uh, and we lost our way a bit. But then Wintle could have scored in the 90th minute. Um, Tom, let's talk about Morgan Whitaker. Um, he was completely anonymous for that Derby win uh, when we beat them one 0 with Aidan Flint's goal, but kind of got his payback on us this week, didn't he? With his uh, with his couple of goals against us at the CCS. Yeah, he seemed to enjoy it as well, didn't he? Well, he can't really blame him, but I, I have no idea why he had so much space for that first goal. Like mm-hmm. we had no one in midfield. Wintle is quite high up the pitch, and it looks like our defenders get mixed up with the runners, and it's just so easy for them to ghost to our box yeah. and. It was like that all game. It, it it was like a basketball game at times to use a cliche. It was, but it, it, was, was, it was just up and, yeah, it was up and back. And you're saying like Winter had a chance late on, but they also rifled one off the bar as well. I don't know how that stayed out. Um, but it was it was an odd game of football because a lot of Cardiff games this year have been, oh, I don't know, just kind of closely fought, but not a lot happening. There was just mm-hmm. constantly things happening and people running about, and it was just chaos. I don't know whether it's because it's a Boxing Day game and people are, you know, it's, it's a weird time of year to be playing football. But it was just an odd game all around. And like, when we were 2-1 up, I was convinced we were going to batter them. Yeah, yeah. And it just and it just never came. And if anything, no. we, were, we were probably lucky to get a point. I think I was, I was annoyed that we drew initially. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, we've probably got away with one there because that could have easily been their first away win in the season. I think, well, I mean, like... Go on, Sorry. Like the you could see that first goal, especially you could see, like I know he's not being 
at his best the last couple of weeks. But um, like that goal, I don't think we can see that goal if Siopis is there. He, it's the exact sort of position between the midfield and the defence that he sort of has yeah. been sort of camped in the season. Um, yeah, so that sort of, I could see where that came from and sort of made me think that maybe playing with a 10 is costing us at the moment where we just haven't got the bodies in midfield. Um, and that sort of led to that. But you're right, I think the it was we were in control and then, like, I, I'm still a huge fan of Bullet. like, love him to bits. But I think he's got a couple of substitutions wrong over like the Christmas period. And I think, especially as Plymouth game, it sort of fell apart as soon as those changes were made. We were just coming into the game, like you said, Tom, we looked like we were going to go on and win it. I think he did make those changes at the wrong time. I feel like it's one of those ones I think is driven by like the data guy sort of saying, look, these lads, they've sort of, they've maxed their minutes. They've spent too long in the red. They need to come off now. And I think that's what killed us because Tanner and Bolich never got in the game. And from there, he, you're right, I think we were like, like you can argue that um, Plymouth were the one team that looked like they were probably going to win it from like the 70 minutes, 70 minute onward. But I think I think the problem as well with our substitutions was necessarily the substitutions in isolation. It was that they made three subs at the same time and they brought on these really bright players, people like Finn Azaz and Bally Mumba, who were just willing to run at us. And I think we were still, for five minutes, we didn't really know where people were meant to be playing. Obviously, yeah. I don't I thought Bola was really good against QPR, but in that period, Bola didn't look great and he had he looked completely short of confidence. And I think, you know, Tanner's still young and naive and all of a sudden you've taken Cole off, who was effectively probably our best player against Plymouth and was looking for the ball all the time and a really positive option. Tete, who was good, and uh, but ran his arse off, but there's a lot of the donkey work. And when you bring Tonner, Tanner and Bola off and you change shape, and I think that was part of it as well because you shifted Mete into the middle all of a sudden and he was given really good coverage to NG as a, as a basically a, an auxiliary wing back, as it were. And I think all of a sudden we were completely destabilised and I think that's where the, loss, uh, the, the draw came from. But we skipped ahead because we have missed out the best moment during that first half and that was the yeah. Um, I was sat so I didn't sit in my season ticket seat because we went as, as a, a group about five of us went I was sat in row two of the Ninian stand right on the halfway line and I still can't believe that that own goal happened because they were under no pressure and I watched it happen and I turned away because I think Colwell was there going for the header he doesn't get anywhere near the ball stops and kind he of stops, stops yeah. oh, that, that's it gone then and then all of a sudden you see their player pass it back and their keeper was completely the wrong place. And he passed it back with such venom that it's just rolled into the net. I still, like, they could do that a thousand times in a game and 999 times they wouldn't do that. The keeper looks really like he's running through treacle. <laughs> when he's trying to get back to the ball, he doesn't, he, I, I don't know, the more effort he put in, the slower he was getting. I don't know yeah. how he hasn't managed to get back to that. And he kind of still funny. does. It's, he's resigned himself to go, well, this is happening then, isn't it? There's yeah. yet to do it. So weird. <laughs> Whoops, I fucked it. Um, but I just, I still, like, because they were so composed all game at the back. They played it around across the back. They, you know, the, the defenders were in control of the ball and they caused a mistake that was catastrophic. And I still believe they got pressed the whole time as well. That's the yeah. bit that I find funniest is, like, you can say there's goals given up. Yeah, there was no one near him. He's just placed it in the bottom. Like, if you're a striker, it's a tidy finish. You've just placed that bottom corner, giving the keeper no chance. So, fair play. Yeah. And I think um, the goal came at the right time, didn't it, Tom? Because I think at that point, Plymouth did look comfortable in, in front. We looked like we were struggling to break them down. They were composed at the back. They were keeping the ball. And all of a sudden, the game changed because after that, we looked like the better team. Yeah, it definitely was the right time for the momentum swing. I wouldn't say they looked composed. They were trying to play from the back, and I think that was half their problem. I think, they're, not I think, they're not good enough to do yeah. it. Perhaps what I mean is, is that 
other times they looked relatively composed at the back yeah. when they were knocking it about. And in that moment where they should have just carried that on, they they fucking they messed it up. Yeah, they, they, they were pretty good on the break when they. But I, I but I, yeah, the momentum swung then. I think it did feel like we were going to go on and win that game. Um, yeah, and like you said earlier, the subs probably killed it. But and Bullock got a lot of criticism for that. But Colwell looked knackered from where I at the back of the counter. Like you see him just beforehand, he was down in that bottom corner. I think he had run out of energy. And, you know, they're the types of calls that, you know, if we go and win the game 2-1, nobody's moaning about it. But it was just unfortunate, I think. But it's it, on. It's Yeah, I think, like, at the moment, our fans are, I don't know, really aggy at the moment. They're kind of almost looking for problems where we haven't got it. And, like, everything's going okay. And, you know, I, I you could pick holes in, like, some of the substitutions he's done bullet. But at the same time, there's been times where his work this year, like Tanner against the Jacks, where... You know, he's not scared oh, to make these institutions yeah. and stuff. So I, I think you've got to you've got to weigh it up a little bit. Sometimes it's going to go wrong, and as a get in, as games go, that one probably did go wrong. And like I said, I think it, it, not necessarily substitutions in isolation. So I agree, Colwell was knackered. Um, I think Atete is still getting used to playing ninety minutes of football, and I don't think he has yet this season. Um, so he's you know they're they're both still learning how to play men's football effectively. Um, and I do think the substitutions were right in in their in their decision. I just think doing them all at once when they brought on three players as well and shifting everybody around almost like one over just yeah. destabilized us at the wrong moment. And I think yeah. that's, that was the problem really. It wasn't the subs itself. It was the, the, the package deal as it were. It was the um, only one for me. I think it's just a case of just, it was the wrong play. It was the right players and the right subs made at the wrong time. I think like you could have made like Tanner, if you swapped Robinson, the Robinson and Tanner substitutions would have made more sense to me at the time. So you bring Robson on for a Tete because he plays for the middle anyway. Yeah. It was, like you said, just changing the bodies and the positions around at the same time just put us a bit up in the air. Um, ben, let's talk about Carl and Grant's goal. Um, a bit of a rocket. Um, obviously, quite a funny goal for me because I think we played a short corner. Um, Cole will put a cross in that was not, not the best cross that took a deflection. You could hear the crowd all grown and then all of a sudden you see oh they go oh shoot and Carl and Grant <laughs> absolutely leathers it um potentially one of the goals of the season so far yeah it's a proper thunder bastard of a hit in it he hit it hard like, if the keeper's catching that the keeper's going in the cop corner with the ball he's hit it that hard um yeah like I said like I've really enjoyed watching him play over Christmas it's such a shame he's got into just he's sort of hitting a bit of confidence which is the most Cardiff thing to happen I think and especially for Carl and Grant but yeah, proper, proper old school Thunder Bastard. I don't think we've scored many goals like that over the last couple of years. So it's always no. nice to just see a proper, you know, the Alan Partridge meme comes out of shit. Yeah, I don't, have we, have we, like, Volk's had a couple, didn't he? Um, but they're the last ones I can remember that were long distance strikes or, hot, you know, rockets like that. Um, like Ramsey's was nice. We didn't wasn't... score many last season, so... You got Ramsey's at Leicester, but that wasn't like a full-on like thunder bastard. That was just a lovely hit. It was like hit sweetly. Yeah. Whereas this is a proper foot through it, Avit sort of it. Yeah. yeah. The amount of times you see them fly over the bar in that situation yeah. from like set pieces and stuff, and you're like, oh, there's a chance here. It either hits the first man or flies into Row Z. It's just good technique. It's good, solid football. He's put his head over the ball and he's twatted it with his laces. And I'm surprised you don't see more of it, to be honest. But it's a great goal. It was a good goal. Um, again, we scored that goal and for 15, 20 minutes, we looked like we could go on to win the game. Then the subs come on and everything goes to pot again, Tom. Um, 
it was another top equaliser, wasn't it? Um, I think it was very last-ditch defending from people like Gutas, McGuinness. The ball rattles around. You know, I've watched it back a few times and you can say a couple of players don't necessarily track. I don't think Tanner and Wintle follow their man. They're both a bit surprised when Whitaker moves forward. It was just a disappointing goal to concede, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was kind of the story of the second half where they were finding a lot of space and they were quicker to react around the box. It's why they yeah. got their chances late on. Whenever the ball was bouncing in the area, they seemed to be the ones who were kind of getting there before us. Um, but I think it was just a tired, leggy team. Um, yeah. And I, you, you've seen what happened there a few times over the, the last four games. And yeah, it was, it's just sloppy, like you said. It's just, it's an unfortunate one. I'm hoping now with, you know, the fixtures kind of slowing up a little bit in January, we see less of those types of goals and we start to like, like command ourselves a little bit around our box. But, you know, they're not a ridiculously good team, Plymouth. So it's just, it's just an annoying one, really. Yeah, sorry, Aaron Hocking, you are not a particularly good football team. Uh, but they did then look like for 50 minutes they could go on and win the game. Um, Tom's already mentioned it, they hit the bar. They were getting a lot of joy around our box. Um, it, in a weird way, it was kind of a relief to, to end up with the draw, even though we could have won it at the death as well. Yeah, it was nice to hear that whistle go, wasn't it? I think it was just a yeah. bit of a relief of, right, just get out, that's done, move on. Um I'm surprised. I thought they'd be a lot better this year than they are. As my predictions, I, I think I put them in like eighth place or something, like showed. But um, yeah, they've. I know, like, I still think they're not with that. This time, got a manager, have they? No, they haven't got a manager. Um, the thing is, when you look back at them, they've had some good results because they've beaten Sunderland, um, they beat Norwich, they beat Norwich six two. Yeah, um, they beat Blackburn. You know, they they they've picked up some good results, but they've also they've drawn with people like QPR. Obviously they drew with Birmingham at the weekend. They drew with Watford, at the, uh, sorry, they drew with Birmingham a few weeks ago. They drew with Watford at the weekend. They're just, I think they're, they're a classically inconsistent team and they have good moments and good players, Whitaker, Ballymumba, um, Finazaz, people like that, but they're not putting together a string of results. So they take a step forward and then take two back with their next game. Well, they're kind of consistent because they just don't get anything away from home and get quite a lot of home. It's, I think they just they've just travelled badly all year. They haven't won away from home. Yeah, I just like think they, they can't seem to transfer it to those away yeah. games. They, they and seem to struggle. I mean, when you look at their results, it's a win followed by a loss, followed by a draw, yeah. followed by another win. So it just looks all over the shop. They're not putting anything like a run together basically, and it, it could be down to the travel thing. Um, it's a long way from Plymouth to anywhere. So um, that was Plymouth. Ben, did you like Plymouth? Yeah. Fine, it was a happy result. Um, I, th- I think the one thing that stood out for me was Vincent Tan wearing an Aaron Ramsey, Ramsey shirt. shirt. Yeah. yeah, but not just the fact it was a Ramsey shirt; it was the fact that like the names that literally started below is just above his belt. Like, <laughs> it just weirded me out. I don't know why. This shouldn't be that. This should be more of a gap between your trousers and and any name set on a football shirt. It's been quite funny um, when you think of everything that's going on at the club at the moment. I think there's a, a longer discussion to be had. Like we've got four games to cover today, January transfer window. I think with everything that's gone on with Salah, um, you know the the transfers and all that kind of stuff. There's a bigger discussion to be had because all of a sudden, Tans at games again, and you know Bullets talking positively. The the trust are talking positively about the club. It does feel like there's a bit of a sea change um, going on at the club at the moment. I think that's that's worthy of a bigger discussion next episode. If you if you wonder why we haven't gone into too much detail on this episode, it's just there's too much football to cover, uh, and we need to talk about the football. Um, Tom, I mean the Leicester game, we were always going to lose, weren't we? So it's almost like no point talking about it. But Leicester are good. We paid them a bit too much respect. We lost two 0 
Well, of course, I'm paying him too, too much respect when you're saying stuff like, oh, we're always going to lose. If we're thinking we were, that, they're, they're the, the best, players... They're the best team ever. Yeah, but I'm not being funny, though. Like, you can still get something from those games. And I think there was a little a free hit, Tom. Um, we love it. It's not a free, free hit. I'm with a lot of our fan base with this free hit bollocks. It's not a free hit at all. Like, they, they, their first goal comes from our mistake. We give the ball away on the edge of the box. We were largely containing them. They were frightening going forward. The way their attackers were running at our back line yeah. and they were trying to find passing was unbelievable. The movement was fantastic. Like, Dewsbury Hall is an unreal player. Yeah. Even if he does sound like a National Trust house. But, like, <laughs> it's just... We got married at Dewsbury Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. Like, we had opportunities in that game and it was a little bit frustrating. It, that first half was kind of like, oh, we kind of played well because we kind of contained them. But at the same time, we sat so deep. We learned later in the game that when we pressed them, we were getting a little bit of joy. And, like, yeah. it was a bit of an outlet for us. Like, down the right-hand side, we made the NG. If we were playing long balls, we were winning in the air and having a runner off it was causing them a little bit of problem. And we just didn't capitalise on it until too late in that game. And it felt like we were building momentum in that second half. And then they scored that screamer. Yeah. But again, that comes from our mistake yeah. where we give the ball back to them on the edge of our area. So we, we were kind of just the architects of our own downfall in that game. And on another day, if you play that a little bit better, if you're a little bit more composed on the ball, you might get a draw or sneak a win off it. And it, it was one of those games, I'm not disappointed losing it, because like you said, like the, the odds are we're losing that game against a fantastic team. But it did feel like we left some opportunities out there to maybe give them a little bit more of a game than we did. Um, ben, who are you blaming for the goals? I think there's an obvious choice. For, I think the, the screamer bowler just doesn't track his man. Um, was there anyone who disappointed you in the run-up to, to their goals? Um, I don't want to say because I love him, but Joe Rawls, that first one, you can't fuck about with it there. He's just sort of dawdled on that ball for that split second and just Leicester so sharp at the moment, so full of confidence. They're just swarming on him. And, yeah, so yeah. like I guess tidy finish and stuff, but I think yeah, Joe Rawls will know he was at fault for that first one. And yeah, like I said, the second one, I think again, it's just that little bit too much respect, isn't it? It's just that bit too much time in the pick out. It's a lovely finish, don't get me wrong. But again, it's like Tom said, it's come from our own mistakes and stuff we can control. Um yeah. I think we said in the chat, like I think at half time, one nil down, I I felt like there was a point there for us out of this game. It, it wasn't like I was going there going, oh, they're blowing us away here. They were good and they were frightening. They they were capable of like stepping up another gear and hammering us. But the way they played, I don't think they were brilliant. They were just clinical and got it done. And I think that's probably all they needed to out of this game. But yeah, it, it, I, I'm, I sort of agree with you a bit, Tom, that it, it is a bit of a disappointment that we didn't get at least a goal or something out of it to come away with a bit more encouragement than we did. It just felt a bit flat after... Two all right results, but it's the manner, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. just the manner of the defeat. It, it yeah. felt like we, we lost at a whimper. Like they was just they were just quicker, they were just more alert. And like I, I wasn't in my usual seat for once. I went in the grandstand, I was like in the third row, and they the pace they were playing at and the runs off the ball. And we were so we were organized to a point, but we were static. And we were just we just set up with bank, banks of defense, and it just didn't really work. Like we just didn't give us an outlet. We were just giving the ball back to them and they were just coming straight at us again. So I think it was just the manner of it, really. But it didn't seem to have 
too much of a negative effect on us going forward, which we'll get on to. But yeah, I just I I I think we need to get at these better teams a little bit more. And that's all our fans want really at home is that effort. You know, just get in their faces, put a little bit of a tackle in. Get, a, get they've got a young team. You know, you might be able to rattle them. You know, there, there was there was challenges flying in by the end of the game, but the problem is it's too late by then. I didn't mind the flat back, like the flat three in midfield so much. I think it made a lot of sense, especially sort of like we saw what happened at the Plymouth game, sort of the changes and that midfield was getting overrun a lot. Mm. I don't mind that. I think Siopis definitely works better in a three midfield. And the sooner Ramsey's a fitter, like we'll see the best out of Siopis again. But yeah, it was just the pace of stuff. It was just, we were very one paced with stuff that I felt like, like Leicester definitely had a couple more gears to go up. I also felt we did yeah. at times. And that's, like you said, like the manner is just a bit frustrating that if we play those passes a bit quicker, just a bit more confidence, a bit more bravery, like we sort of did at the start. Because we, we seem to step it up against QPR. I know we'll come to it in a minute. But yeah, you're right. It's just, there was more from us. You're definitely right there. I think it's just a timing thing as well, isn't it? If we play that game in a month's time and we've got a few new bodies in and, and players have had a bit more of a rest over the FA Cup weekend and all that kind of stuff... I think it, it becomes a different game and a different proposition because all of a sudden we're, we're a bit fresher. You know, that's the third game in a in a in a, a ten day period where we're playing four games, and I can see why potentially we maybe took our foot off the gas a little bit to save to save energy for for QPR or whatever else. So knowing we played Leicester when we did really because at the start of the season we had Jack Simpson, um, and now we played him on December the 29th. So um, it'd be nice if we could play them at a normal time really when we haven't got races playing for us. Um, Let's talk about QPR. Um, also, didn't realise Leicester are on 65 points already this season. Um, they're 10 points clear after 26 games, are on 65 points. With 20 games left, so there's still 60 points to play for, they're on 65 points. Well, there was a thing, the Coventry game, they were talking about Coventry's recent results. They're two points behind their total at this stage last year. I think they were on 36 this stage last year. They're on 34 um, Coventry, when they, yeah, when they were playing, yeah. they were t- they were fourth on thirty six points last year. Wow! And they're like mid table now. That sort of I don't know, the champ like the gap is, and so that sort of to be honest, that gives me a bit of encouragement to show like where we are to be in and around where we are and the improvement we've got there and the more points on the board. I think that again, that's another encouraging thing to have. The performances haven't been great, but at least we're still picking up points. And in a normal year, if that's the case, then we would be. <laughs> We'd be third or fourth, yeah, because we're on thirty-seven points. It's just this year is abnormal in the sense that you've got four. You know, they, they would do quite well in the Premier League, Leicester, Ipswich, Southampton, Leeds as a four. Um, instead, we've got them in the Championship, all vying for that top four, and even West Brom are, you know, forty-two points in fifth place. It's nuts out there at the moment. Um, let's talk about New Year Day, uh, New Year's Day, Tom. Um, we will fight forevermore because of New Year's Day, as the song goes. Um, day out at QPR, not the nicest ground to go to at any time, uh, particularly cold yesterday. Um, eh, it was a big win, wasn't it? We'll, we'll talk about the details, but it was a big win and it felt like a big win. Yeah, and you could sense that with the celebrations at the end. I think it's a massive, massive result. I think it gives the whole Christmas period a different complexion winning that game. Yeah. You know, you, you lose that game and we've got, what, four points and it's just, it's looking all doom and gloom. But I think just to start the year, you know, going in and going into like the, the transfer windows well with a good result, it, it just sends the right message to the hierarchy as well. But you could see you could sense the kind of relief in in the away end as well. And I just hate QPR as well. So I I just love winning there. Like I don't know what it is about that club. Their concourse is the worst concourse in football. Horrible. There's, 
There's a man in sombrero with a clacker. Yeah, he's a twat. I, I do kind of like the the like British football fan of anyone who's dressed slightly quirky must be a pedo instantly yeah. within like a minute of the game allegedly. starting. Yeah, allegedly. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a weird place. I don't like it as a team, and it was a it's a massive, massive result because I think we've got Leeds coming up next as well. And if we lose against QPR and don't get a result against Leeds, it's a very different kind of like next couple of months for us, I think. But it's so close in the middle of that table that we could have found ourselves not quite looking down because we're like 15 points above the relegation zone now, which is remarkable in itself. But like, it's just, it already feels like, I think it would have already felt like we're in mid-table and nothing else, even though it's only January if we'd lost that game. That might be a bit of either over, overreacting. Hyperbole. But that's how it felt. Yeah, it feels a little bit when I, now I've said it out loud. But if yeah. you know what I mean, I, I think it, it, it was a massive win, I think. Um. Ben, let's talk about the first goal. Um, Dimi Gutas, um, you know, showed his emotion after the goal. Um, it, it looks like his, his grandmother has passed away. So obviously, condolences to to, to Gutas and, and his family. Um, the guy is a hero, isn't he? Putting himself on the line like that. Um, he got manhandled, but he still got his head on the goal. He's just, he's just a brilliant footballer, isn't he? Absolute warrior, isn't he? Like yeah. some, it's the sort of character you're missing. The last couple of years in that centre-back role, since Shawnee Mars and Bamber had gone, we were very light in that area. There was no one you'd really want to go into battle. Like, you'd want to come into battle with you. Gutas is an absolute animal. Just, like, shrug the, like, properly said, he's being manhandled in that box. To get the height he does, a clean hit on that header. Yeah, like, and direct it into the far corner as well, because he gets yeah. it away from the keeper instead of going straight down the line. It's a lovely, lovely goal, that. And I think that's part of, like, again, the frustrations over this Christmas period. Like, well, like... Look at what we got. Seven points from what we've got in the games is fine. Like it's a, it's a very good return. I'm pretty happy with that. I think was the thing you put in the chat. We're one of the best performing teams over the Christmas period. Yeah, I think you, the, the top team had ten points, um, but we're up there with people like Leicester, Coventry, Sunderland um, for having the best um, the best record over the Christmas period. Seven points out of twelve, basically. But I do think like set pieces. We're, we're clinical there. Like both our goals come from set pieces in this game. Um, they really let us down against Sheffield Wednesday and against Plymouth. And against Leicester, yeah. to be honest, like they just didn't get past the first post half the time. And then when we're putting in good balls, like we did for, especially for that first goal, like the uh, cross from, I think it's Joe Rawls' cross, isn't it? It's just a lovely corner and just that's what we're capable of in that box. It's nice to have that threat in there. And having Dimmy Gutas there is just lovely and fair play to him because you could see it meant a lot to him that goal. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, it's absolutely fair play. He's, like you say, he's a warrior. I think he's been our best signing this year. Just consistent. He's changed the way we defend. He's composed. I think he's brilliant. Um, Tom, obviously, the first half kind of passed by then with, with not much really happening. Um, I think we were in control of the game in that first half, but we didn't really create many clear-cut chances in that first half beyond the goal, did we? No. I think that's why we're relying on set pieces so much at the moment, isn't it? We, we, we are kind of lacking that creative spark still um we show flashes of it but very very few and far between but yeah but i think it was a good first half though um you we got the goal and we contained them they didn't really create anything all all half and there's a reason why they were being booed off for half time by the home fans because we were the much better team but our issues tend to come then beginning of second half or when other teams make changes we're slow to react and there was always that worry in the back of back of my mind that we're only going in 1-0 up here mm-hmm. and it did feel like an equaliser would be inevitable because it's just kind of what we've been doing recently 
we're, we're not reacting well when people come back at us. We're not really absorbing the pressure as well as we should. But it was a, it was a great cross for their goal. Like, it's a hell of a ball into the back post. But we've seen it before. It's Collins kind of losing his man at that back post yeah. and then slotting home. I think Alnwick could have probably done a little bit better. But the problem is he, he probably doesn't think that they're going to get a shot away there because you expect your defender to track him. And, you know, it's not the first time we've seen that. And we'll probably get on to Collins a bit later on, but he just looks shattered. He's come back from a long-term injury. He's playing every minute of football. And you can tell. He, you, can tell you can tell from 70 yards he looks tired. So well, I thought, uh, he just needs a rest. As I say, in the first half, I thought Collins was really good in, in the sense of us controlling the game. Like he was composed on the ball. He would get the ball, pass it out wide, get beyond the man on the left wing. But in the second half, as soon as we came under pressure, um, you're right, he he faltered. And he does lose his man for that goal. It's interesting, if you look at the stats for the game, in the first half, QPR had one shot, um, which was a free kick, apparently. I don't really remember it. Um, but then if you look at the second half, all of a sudden they had seven shots in the second half. We had eight shots in the second half. So the game just picked up in the second half because we only had two shots in the first half ourselves. So the second half was just, it felt like a much more chaotic and open game. Um, ben, Tom's already touched upon it there with their goal. Um, do you think Almut could have done better? I, I'm loathe to criticise Almut because he did win us the game with that save at the end, but it's a pretty weak hand he gets on it, despite the guy obviously being in open space. I think it's just because it's come to him late. He's sort of, he's, he's switched yeah. off slightly to expect because he's expecting JC to get there. And it's just one of those like you, you're, you're right. He's going to be disappointed with that, and it's just I think the more for me, more the blame lay, lays with Collins that he's just switched off and just lost track of his man. Um, I think it's telling that a lot of goals the last couple of weeks have come down our left hand side. Um, I, it's it's I'm, I'm not pointing the finger at JC. Like he's come back from a really bad like crucial injury, and he's played near enough. I think he has played almost every minute until this game. Yeah. No one's come on and sort of taken the taken the pressure off him. He's been dropped straight in the deep end, and he's done well for the most part. Um, he's a good footballer, but yeah, it's clearly now not having like sending Bagan on loan. The O'Dowder injury, the options at left back have been very very thin, and it's come it's bits on the arse a little bit, and that's probably part of why we haven't been doing as well. Because when he's at his best, he provides a lot of energy, and that's what we've sort of been lacking the last few games is that sort of burst of energy that going forward with the ball a bit more. Um, I also. I also think he suffered yesterday slightly for having Colwell in front of him because Colwell yeah. is a much yeah. more fluid player who's going to sneak in and out and, and not always be on the left wing. I thought Colwell was brilliant. And I'm not trying to criticise him at all because he gave us so much going forward. But if he'd had a traditional winger in front of him, like a Carlin Grant, Carlin Grant's very good at getting back and covering for him. So JC might not have been so as exposed yesterday. Um, but I think it's... I think it's really interesting reading that JC has managed not going to the AFCON by, you know, speaking to the manager and saying that he, I think he wanted to stay in Cardiff and almost continue his recovery because he's only just come back from injury. And I think he, there's absolutely no way he's going to be playing in the FA Cup game this weekend. So hopefully JC has a nice 10 day period now. Where I'd, I'd happily send him away and just go, go relax somewhere for five days, seven days, like have this time off because he needs it. And I think a refreshed JC could be like a new signing in January, as long as we get a cover player for him, whether that's a doubt or bring back and back. I don't know who it will be. We were just um, sending JC. Yeah. Um, Saunders foot, I reckon. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> St. David's hotel yeah. down there. Well, caravan. Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not springing for, you're not springing for a hotel. JC can spring for what he wants, mate. It's his money. But um, <laughs> where would you send him? I think just go to Barry, like the Barry Island for, for a couple of days. Just go around the right, log flume. They've got like a yeah, big nice, one yeah. now. Looks, I think, just relax that way. I don't think JC looks like the kind of guy that can sit there on a the beach and just relax. No, he's probably got too much energy. Tom, where would you send him? 
I quite like the Saunders foot idea, you know, Sands nightclub. You have to try yeah. and keep him out of there because we want him relaxed. And that place is, yeah, it's a different breed down there. But yeah, <laughs> so I've changed my mind, Barry. <laughs> Barry it is. You want to make different breeds and you want to send to Barry. <laughs> um, oh, let's Before we get on to different breeds, let's finish talking about the QPR game. Um, Tom, you know, I think QPR did come back at us in the second half and we lost control of the game a little bit. It, but it, it felt like we were the more dangerous team still in the second half. Um, Colwell had a couple of lovely shots. Um, I think it was, did Colwell have the shot for the, no, Bowler had the, the chance that the corner came from. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked like we were not having as much as the ball, but we were creating the more dangerous chances. Yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with that. And that's because we had Colwell on the pitch. I think we've been missing that direct running of yeah. just, he'll go to the ball 25 yards before players got near him. And we haven't got another player who kind of does that. He just like drifts into those spaces and just, even from like the, the corner where you give it to him on the edge of the box, you know he's going to be close to putting it on target and he's going to be testing the keeper from there. And he just, he gives teams something else to think about. Yeah. Um, and like you say, I think we lose a little bit of that defensive stability, but it's almost worth it just to see Colwell get into those positions. And then you can see then why Bullet's probably taking him off at certain times towards the end of the game when we're trying to shore it up a little bit. So I know our fans were probably, I think Bullet's kind of escaped one there if we haven't scored from that corner our fans were starting to get a little bit argue with the fact that Colwell was being taken off well we and, we we said it in the stands I said that he should have been kept on you were adamant that he was knackered and I think it it worked out for the best but I can see an argument for both sides yeah because he, he is our only kind of like real attacking threat I think Bowler hasn't really hit the heights we wanted him to. He still has the moment, like, he, he nearly scores later on. He looked on really things. good when he came on yesterday, I will say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's what we wanted from him. But we haven't seen enough of it yet. But he, he looks like he's lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. Um, but perhaps that's the kind of boost he needs now, coming on that game, putting yeah. a decent performance in. If you've got a goal, then it would have been great. But, yeah, but I, th- I thought we were, I think, think we still edged it. That's, you know, considering they were the home team, I think we deserved the three points. I think um, he deserves those two points. And like Bowler is, I don't think he's fully fit yet. He's just getting back. So he was out for a good few weeks just as he was sort of hitting form. Yeah. I think that part of that, there's a lot of that as well. It's a lot of players running on fumes, not quite match sharp. And I think Bowler, if you get him fit and firing, you can see what he's capable of. We saw him the first couple of games, like a fit Josh Bowler, he can provide. So another player I don't want to see anywhere near the squad on Saturday. I want him rested and sort of give other people a chance like Kieran Evans it's there's more important games coming up we need bowler for um let's talk about the winning goal Ben um my main question about this is was Begovic rattled by the fact that we were singing we can see your bowl patch from behind the stands (laughs) (laughs) did that get in his head so much that he absolutely flapped at the cross it has to be it's the only logical explanation because he was pissing me off with how much he was stopping them because I think if if there's a different keeper in goal I think we'd have won that fourth like three or four one to be honest because he pulled off a couple of really good chances yeah yeah so yeah it was it, well done to everyone there because you got in his head ed games won and i think thought mom need to change it the assist to the car city away fans that's what i want to hear that's what i want to hear um it was kind of a tale of two keepers at the end wasn't it tom obviously begovic ran out to try and get on the, the cross that ng headed home um and then almick made that incredible save right at the death um I've watched it back a few times. I don't know if the QPR player knows that it comes off his head. 
because he's kind of facing the wrong way and it bounces. But Alnwick gets his hand behind him and gets so much on it that he's able to flick it away. It's just, they're the saves that win you games, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. It's not like a ridiculously hard save because it's quite close to him, but it's just the timing of it, the end yeah. of the game. The way he has to react. To, yeah, exactly. And it's what we need in a situation, you know, to grind up the results at tough places like QPR. And yeah, the header is a bit like the McGuinness one earlier in the season where he scores and he doesn't know it's really hit him. It, yeah. It, and, you know, that's where you know it's a good save because if the, you know, the attacker doesn't know that he's going to get his head on it, then the keeper is not going to know to react straight away for it either. So I think it's it's a massive save and you can see by the reaction of the players around him after it and Bullet at the end of the game, getting him to do the whole kind of like fist bump to the crowd, getting Alma to do it as well, shows the importance of it. And I think that was a big moment as well because they've been chopping and changing keepers quite a lot. But to see that kind of relationship between manager and keeper after that, yeah. is, it, it's, it's only a positive thing, isn't it? That, Whoever kicked the ball in his head deserves like a, a random applause from the fans, to be honest. <laughs> it's horrible to say, that moment at the end of the game showed the team spirit, didn't it? Um, I think when you see Rawls doing the fist bump, you see Panzo there. You know, Panzo is someone who hasn't been close to this team, Ben, but he came on and he gave it some, didn't he? He got stuck into the QPR players. He was pushing them. He was getting involved. And at the end of the game, he's involved. Like, that shows that even the players on the fringes are, are, are relatively happy with what's going on. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It showed he wants to put up a fight. You can see there's a place for him that could happen. He just needs to, like, he more than sort of the other games where he's played, he saw his chance. I think he took it really well. Um, just got himself stuck in, looked solid, nothing fancy, nothing stupid, just done what he needed to. Yeah. And like I said, just stuck in against QPR players as well. Like It's really encouraging to see because I think we're going to need him <laughs> the next few weeks. I think so as well. Um, I, I, I think Tom's special praise goes to, I think, Rolls, Colwell. They were both brilliant. I think Winter was really good yesterday. The press in particular from Winter was really good. It was just, it was nice to see the confidence seeming to come back into the players, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And from players like Winter, who's had a bit of flack off our fans and probably rightly so in some games as well. I, I thought he's fantastic. But Rawls has found another gear at times this season. He's and brilliant. He, and, and like I was saying about the Leicester game, I was saying yesterday about the way that he's he's kind of grown into that captaincy role during the warm-up and everything, he's G'ing people up. And, you know, he's not the loudest like character in the world, but you can see that he is a leader and he's been leading with his performances as well this season. He's really stepped it up, like whether it be like the set-piece deliveries or just his breaking up of the game and stuff like that. I, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. And I'm not sure all of us saw it coming because, you know, it, his performances did dip over the last couple of seasons, but he was playing in quite a bad side. So... Yeah. You know, I, th- I think, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. But yeah, him and Wintle, I thought, were fantastic. As you say, again, at the Plymouth game, being sat that close, you you could just see how much Rawls makes us tick. And the fact that he he's always looking for the ball, he's always positive, he's always showing us an option, he's always following up what he does. And I think, yesterday, I think, I don't know if it was his first 90 minutes of the season, but it, it felt like his first 90 minutes of the season. I think it's been building up to that. And I just think he, if we can keep him fit, between now and the end of the season, because obviously he has his injury troubles, he is a key to everything good that happens on the pitch. And I think, you know, if we can get him him fit alongside Ramsey, alongside O'Dowd, alongside Wintle, and have that as like a rotation alongside whoever else, I think we've got a really good chance of pushing on this second half of the season. Um, 
thanks QPR. I want to give a shout out to Josh Morrill, a uh, listener of the pod, who said hello to me in the concourse, and his mate, whose name I didn't get, but he managed to mash all our names together and said, oh, you're Ben Phillips from the pod. So that was nice. Um, he's he, He's got some of our names right. So I enjoyed it. You don't it. want to be calling yourself Ben Phillips. No, we had that discussion yesterday <laughs> as well, actually, about the fucking guy from, was he the guy from Bridgend? Yeah. 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 Uh, less said about him, the better. Um, I think... I've put at the end here, overall, a good Christmas period. And I think that tweet from Not The Top 20 um, kind of solidified that. We were one of the best performers over the Christmas period with seven points out of 12. I think we've put ourselves back up into playoff contention, whereas other teams like Hull yesterday obviously lost to uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, So we've been able to take advantage where teams have fallen, which is also important. Um, Right, moving on to Twitter. Then we'll talk about the transfer window. And I've got a quiz, and then we'll talk about Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I've got two quizzes actually. If you want to do two quizzes, um, I wouldn't say so with the amount we've spoken about already. Yeah, well, it'll be a four hour, four hour pod. That's fine, mate. I'm I'm committed. <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, over to Twitter, no. Jack Carter says Ben's coat cape. That's what he wants to talk about. I was wearing my long coat yesterday, and I figured out that if I zip it up in a certain way, it's like a cape. Um, Were you running uh, around singing na 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 na? na? I did Batman. a little bit. I did a little bit, um, but. Um, Good, good coat. Good in the rain. Uh, benefactor, the, the rasping dog, says seven points from 12 over Christmas. Disappointing or pleasing? Pleasing. Ben? Yeah, yeah I'm very happy with that result. Sort of. Yeah, just. Just. So Ben's very happy. Tom's just about happy. It's it's one of those ones where we were very close to having a bad Christmas. It's like nothing... It felt like we got away with one. And a little bit because other teams have been a little bit inconsistent as well. But I'll take it. I think it's it's annoying because the Plymouth game feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. But okay. I, if you take them as a bank of four, it's fine. Yeah, points. I think points total is a great return seven from those games. Well happy with that. Performances haven't been brilliant, but it's job done in it. It's I think in these periods of the year, it's more about results. Like similar towards the end of the year, it becomes a bit more of a grind. It's more about the the, the actual results. Take it over, than, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'll will take it all day long. Uh, they might be brothers. I don't know if they are, but Reece Spear and Lee Spear have been in touch. Um, Reece Spear says, if the starting eleven were an Errol with flavours of crisps, what would they be? Dalman would probably be a ready salted as the smart price. Um, <laughs> What would I'm gonna pick a couple of players because I don't think we can do the whole eleven. No. Ben, what flavour of crisps would Gutas be? Ah, oh, flaming hot monster munch. Strong. That's a really strong crisp. Tom, what flavour of crisps would Joey Rolls be? Salt and vinegar. Uh, just walkers. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like just dependable, you know what you're getting. Um, Ben, who what flavour of crisps would Ollie Tanner be? Oh, he'd be like those posh kettle chips, and he like um, sea salt and black pepper. Like he's he's not for every occasion, but when he pops up, he he hits well. That's good, Tom. Um, I'm going to give you. Um, who am I going to give you now? I'm going to give you. Um, fuck, I can't think of another Cardiff player. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to. Hey, look, I lied up yesterday. I've completely gone blank. Um, do you remember, do you remember that um, face that Tom Harry- throws me under pressure? That's yeah. the one just done there, Ben, and it was so good to see. Tom, <laughs> uh, Perry NG. Oh, it'd be something mental, wouldn't it? Oh, I had these like fiery pork crackling things the other day. You're so, yeah, just like hard, hard crisp with a bit of bite to it. 
Uh, Lee Spear says, I just want to keep us ticking over. We all know this is a transition season, but it's amazing to think we're only just outside the playoffs considering the results we've let slip away from us times, plus the embargo we've had. So excited for the future. Uh, Little Philly says, I'd like us to build a few wins in Jan because see us finishing the season from anywhere from 9th to 12th. Um, ready to go for it next season. QPR, I enjoyed our fight. City really worked hard there. Props to Joe Rawls was my man of the match. Richard Endicott says, best away fans in the league or glory hunters only sing when we're winning. Best away fans in the league. He also says, uh, Tom, QPR changed their tactics in the second half, pulling players out wider and trying to play behind our fullbacks. Were we too slow to react to that as the equaliser seemed inevitable? Yeah, probably. I think it's been a tale of a few of the games this season. So you can see why Bullets making subs when he does, trying to react, but it hasn't always worked. I think that's something we probably need to iron out going forward. But, you know, we got back into the game, so I think that's the most pleasing thing about it. Um, Dan Lowe, everything is very positive at the moment. We've had a few off results and games, but the fight and passion was there today, and we got uh, we ground out the po- uh, he says the point, but I assume he means three points. Get Rambo and um, O'Dowd back plus two or three quality additions and surely we can be right up there. Can only see us getting better up the Bluebirds. Uh, ben, this one's for you. Leicester squad is ridiculously good. Do you think it's a one-off financial gamble or the future of championship seasons to come? I think the way parachute payments are and the structure from that, I think it's going to be a lot more of this, like the gulf between teams that are regular in the Premier League that come down for a year or two. Are just going to yeah. walk it. The gap's growing massively, and I think, like long term, parachute payments need to be looked at in the interest of sort of fairness throughout the football league. The gap's just ridiculous now, finances wise, and everything that goes with that. Um, like, there's no doubt that I think Leeds are more in trouble of a case of if they don't go up, their sort of players will get picked apart and their wages. But a team like Leicester, like it's not a financial gamble. It's similar to Newcastle, the two times they've come down. It's big money. They know they're going to go straight back up. It's just yeah. taking a hit to rebuild. But um, I think long term, find that like the finances and it needs to be distributed more evenly because the fact that like you look at Stoke, they came down a couple of years ago and they still what three years later were getting two hundred million pounds a season. It's, they they pissed up against the wall, but they were still getting two hundred million pounds a season from the Premier League after that. And it's just it's ridiculous money when you've got a team like I'm fair play to get promoted, but say look at Luton who got promoted with fuck all. It's just stupid. Uh, Hugh Kellett thought QPR were very poor in the first half and were there for the taking. With a bit more quality, we could have put the game to bed early on. I've been to the fixture many times and never seen a QPR fan so quiet. He also asked, do we know what happened with the fans in Alnwick in the second half? It looked to be getting feisty. I think he got pushed over the hoardings um, into the fans and, and they gave him a bit of stick back, but he gave him a bit of stick back too so I like it Oliver Reese, Kiefer maybe another striker left back wing and number 10 maybe centre back cover we need to have a Steve Morrison 2002 January window I wouldn't mind sending a Tete out on loan just so we can get some consistent games from at a lower level and come back a more experienced player Jared absolutely fucking smashing it boys might not be pretty at times but with three points out the playoffs with plenty of time to get players and build roll on Wembley in May uh, Rodri says very glad Joe Rolls finally has a decent chant you're my Joey Rolls Gareth Dunning, 8th to 14th. I say it every week, also like a broken record, but fans keeps melting down even when we concede in a game. Chill, it's sport. You have ups and downs to concede goals. Bullet is a winner. He has zero interest in settling for 8th to 14th. Passion we wanted, get behind him, back him. Um, and Ian Ballinger says, corners, defending, no outlet when chasing a game, attacking, taking one out of the box for the feigned short corner, frying me, disgust. I like our corner approach. I think it's, it's worked out quite well so far this season. And we almost scored from it yesterday with... Colwell with that shot from the edge of the box. We scored from it with a short corner against Plymouth. Um, so I don't mind it. Twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Um, boys, it's January. 
Uh, we haven't signed a player yet, so um, bullet out, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. No, obviously not. Sorry. Ben, how many players do you expect to come in now this window? Now that, you know, bit closer to it, Bullet's talking about five or six. How many do you really think are going to come in? I think realistically, if we get four solid players in, it's a good window. I think it's number, like bodies for the sake of bodies, is going to be silly. I think it needs to be quality additions that make sense long term. And I know that's really difficult to do in January. But I think, yeah, if we can get four in, I'd be very happy. Tom? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think, you know, we need people across the park, but we don't need just people in for people's sake. We need to strengthen. We need people who, you know, are pushing players to start and things like that as well. I think the one thing we've got to our advantage over some of the other teams is we seem to be looking at different markets to a lot of the other teams, which may work in our favour, where players might go under the radar a little bit. But like Ben said, it's, it's really tough in January. So, if we can get three or four like real quality additions to that squad, I think we're looking pretty pretty going into the second half of the season. Uh, the there are already some ridiculous rumours that I'm not going to give any credence to here on the podcast. Um, um, they've been appearing on certain forums, and if you know that's the case, then we signed James Vaughan uh, 13 years ago, um, <laughs> and he remains a Cardiff City legend in my eyes. So that's all you need to know about some of those rumours. But the, the, the persistent word Ben is obviously Kiefer Moore, um, not playing at all for Bournemouth. There's talk that he's bought a house on the outskirts of Cardiff. There's talk that we've got a deal in place. The people in the know are saying that it's likely to happen, but we don't know. Again, what is your sense on the Kiefer Moore? I think we've talked about it basically every week. Is it happening? I like to think it will. It feels very much like the Ramsey transfer a few like in the summer where we don't want to say it out loud that it's going to happen, but it feels like everything's sort of lining up that makes it feel like it will happen. Um, fair play to these people who know what house he's bought and like the inside knowledge, like solicitors and stuff like that coming out and going against their clients' wishes just to express what their houses they're buying top. Because, like, Dirk Couch, the, the, the fact that Dirk Couch's kids are still in Howell's school blows my mind. Um, uh, 26, 27 now. They're both still there. Yeah. It, it <laughs> makes me question the school policy, to be honest. I think it's getting a bit yeah. silly. But, um, yeah, I feel like... I don't want to say it's definitely going to happen, but I'm as far as sort of January transfers go and big ones, I'm quite confident it will happen. Tom, it makes sense, doesn't it? I think that's I think that's why people are getting slightly excited. It's not a ridiculous rumor; it just makes sense for him, and it makes sense for us. Um, so, I, I, I'll be glad if it doesn't happen uh, now, because we have, yeah, it's the worst kept secret in the world if it does happen as well. But it just it just makes sense. I just want it to be done sooner rather than later, so it doesn't trundle on through the window. Like, if it's done in the next week, perfect. We can start the build. And, you know, and it's quietened down. You can gel with the the, the squad and everything. So, it'd be, yeah, it'd be ideal. I also think it's it's one of those transfers that if he comes in before the end of the week, I don't think it's going to happen before the end of the week, but if he comes in before the end of the week, it sends a message then to the rest of the window that we're we're trying something. And other players might go, well, I want to go there now to play with Kiefer. I want to go there to play with Ramsey. They might be pushing for the playoffs. It's an incentive for people to come. Um I think Bullets, Bullets talked about um, getting a player in every position. Um, we're not going to label the transfer window stuff because we don't know anything about it, really. But um, when do you think the first player is coming in, Ben? Middle of next week. I think that's Middle sort of yeah. realistic. Tom? Friday. I've got a feeling the club have got mm. something up their sleeve. Not quite the Wrexham levels of doing it as it ticks midnight, which is genius on New Year's Eve. With their, yeah. with their like contract extensions, but I think the club might have something up their sleeve and it'll be done this week. 
My favorite bit yeah. of that was people going, I can't believe they're tweet they're getting someone to tweet this out at midnight. Like Hootsuite's been a thing for 20 years, lads. Come on. <laughs> You're not, you, can, you can schedule tweets on in Twitter. Twitter. You don't even yeah. need Hootsuite. You can do it on Twitter. Like, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, people are silly. People don't really understand what's going on, do they? Um, right, I did a transfer window quiz. Um, you know, we, we, we're coming up to the hour mark. I'll do the quiz, and then we'll talk a little bit about Sheffield Wednesday, and then we'll go. Um, it's a cracking quiz, if I do say so myself. Oh, you've um, got that glint again. I'm not yeah, enjoying so, Some of these questions list. are weird. They're not <sighs> weird. They're pretty straightforward. They're pretty straightforward. So, I'm um, bad at this, I reckon. First question, it's all about transfer windows. So that's your that's the that's the little hint there. Uh, on what date did Cardiff sign Gary Medine in the January transfer window in 2018? On what date? What date? Oh, you know when was it announced? Late in the window, wasn't it? Really yeah, try and try and think it through verbally. Yeah. So Late the listeners the... aren't <laughs> trying to think what it was. Just the horrible. Then. What year was it? What year was it again? Sorry, year we got promoted. He didn't score. He missed the penalty against Wolves. I'm going to go 29th of January. Got 29th of January. Tom, any advances on the 29th of January? I was going to go 28th. So, yeah, both wrong. It was January the 31st. There we go. Makes sense. Was it deadline day? It was deadline day. Oh, I thought it was just before. Yeah, I thought it was just before as well. No, it was announced on deadline day. I looked it up today. The 31st on BBC stories. Uh, it's really good stuff, mate. Um, name two other players who signed during that window, either on loan or permanent. Name one each. Come on. That summer, that went January. Yeah. Um. Oh, I have no, I got I have no idea. Go on, Ben. Go on, Ben. If you got one, Ben's got one. Liam Feeney. No, sorry, Yannick Wiltshire. Yannick Wiltshire. Yannick Wiltshire. I'll give you Tom. Can you name another one? No, I don't, don't think I can. No. Well, we, we lost one of them to CEX. Kieran Brown signed during that window. Oh, lovely. Um, the McKay brothers. Fine. Yeah. Um, Ogo Obi. Does that name ring a bell? Ogo Obi. Uh, no, Marco, no. Marco Grujic. Marco Grujic. Oh, nice. Moore, and Armand Traore. Oh, I wouldn't have got any of Matt those. Well, I did, well, I didn't. He was free agent. He was February. No, he signed on loan. I looked it up on Wikipedia today. Did he? I think he signed him again. Sorry, the second time. Yeah. Uh, In January of 2023, Cardiff signed Sorry Cabba from where? Mitchelland. There you go. Spot on. Which Ghanaian international signed for Cardiff in January 2009? 2009? Yep. Last year at Indian Park. Ghanaian international. He announced it on Soccer AM. Don't Google it, Tom. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not. Oh, you guys are shit at this. Yeah. Oh, it's he's hard. got that funny name. I don't think it's a funny name. I don't think it's a funny name, Ben. I just it's think like he's got a, a Quincy. Got a name, name. Yeah, Quincy. Yeah. Quincy. Yeah. Quincy Abushu. Yeah. Um, only a couple more questions, then I can put you out of misery. In the 2009-2010 season, how many players did we sign in the January transfer window? That was the season we got to the Blackpool playoff final. How many players did we sign in January? Two. Two? Tom? I was going to say one. Uh, you're both wrong. It was none. We oh, signed no players in the transfer window. Wasn't Paul Quinn in that? January. Signed in the summer, mate. 
Uh, and then 2010-2011, Cardiff paid a six-figure sum for Deckel Keenan. How much should we pay for Deckel Keenan? This is according to Wikipedia. 500,000. Tom? Uh, 120,000. It was 300 grand. Oh. 300 grand. Uh, I'll leave you there because you, you boys are terrible at that. So, yeah, um, it's all right, Chris. Fairly like yeah, standard. There was nothing mental so, uh, in there. So, yeah. But basically, what I'm learning is if I go easy, you boys struggle. If I go yeah. esoteric, you boys struggle. I've got to come up with a completely new way of doing a quiz with you because you both are very bad at quizzes. I don't know if that's fair, but fine. Hey, the alternative, whale, the alternative whale stuff says differently. Yeah, but these are my quizzes. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I got. I was going to do. I was going to do a second quiz, but um, I, no, thank you. Failed at that one. So uh, we'll just talk about Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. Uh, FA Cup. Quiz. Tom and Ben. Um, I got a quiz about the FA Cup. I'll do it on Sunday. Um, ben, who are you starting on Saturday? Who's in goals? Who's in defence? I keep Almwick in goal. No reason to change there. Sort of. There's a bit of consistency there. Uh, Romeo. Romeo with our vote. Vote Romeo. Um, Sick at I the think, moment, apparently. Random lottery for centre backs, just sod it. Should be funny, wouldn't it? I'd be surprised if it's a Boo Adams and Mark McGuinness at centre back. Yeah, possibly. And then Panzer at left back is one. Adams people. gone to Afcon. Oh, he might have gone, but he, he's gone, yeah. he was in my head. He has gone to Afcon. Rinamata then, sticking him centre back. Centre half. He did, didn't he do that? Should, should he put Panzer at centre half and then play? Tanner at left back. I, I'd like to see. Pa- I want to see Panzo get a game at left back and sort of see how he does. Yeah, I think that All would right. be Tom, for me. Tom, who's in midfield? I reckon we just do a fan competition uh, right. to win a starting line. Yeah, because I I don't know. You there's the obvious ones are like bringing Panzo in and stuff like that. I I think I'd play Colwell just to give him more game time again. Just to maybe not the whole game, but like the first hour or something. But we haven't got that deep a squad to rotate. So it'd be really... I suppose we play Sawyers, Rinamotta in midfield. I imagine we'd see Sawyers, Rinamotta and maybe Joel Colwell. Um, I think Joel yeah. Colwell might start. Yeah. And you wouldn't maybe want to put Ruben Colwell on the wing where he's been playing. Yeah. And then up front, it could be, you know, it could be a Tete, it could be Mete because they've both been kind of in and out of the team. So we could get them more game time. Um, and then, Keir, yeah, Okobo could come back in and you've got Kieran Evans probably on the right. I think you That's might start on the front. Oh, yeah. that, Robinson. Um, and I think the bench could be quite strong if you've got people like McGuinness still around, if you've got Bowler still around, if you've still got people like um, Robinson Ugbo, one of those could go on the bench as well. Um, but then I could still, I could see people like, even maybe people like Antwi coming up from the, um, the, the, the youth teams just to get some time in and around the squad and see what it's like to, to be a professional footballer. I think it'd be really interesting to see what he does after what he did in the League Cup. Where I think he just closed his eyes and pointed at people. Um, <laughs> so, because like I love the FA Cup and I will be gutted if we lose. But at the same time, I completely understand if he does just play a load of youngsters. So, you know, it's his kind of first FA Cup game. I'm, I'd be really intrigued to see how seriously he takes it. I love the FA Cup, but it's the draw that's so inspiring. I'm sort of just like, I'll just, just play whoever and get out but of the way chan- but it's a chance I know, to get yeah, a good draw further yeah. into the tournament so I like, get it it's just any other if it wasn't a team in the championship I'd want a strong squad out but I feel like yeah. it's just a weird one when it becomes the championship suddenly I'm like I'm not asked. it's it's not being streamed like they're not putting anything on TV for it it's just it's just happening one it, of those things isn't it 
the lineup we played against Blackburn had uh, had Panzo Adams and Romeo at the back, Tanner Sawyer's Renamata Evans, Robinson Colwell, Atete. You could play a similar team to that, obviously with Adams potentially not there, because um, Robinson, Atete, Colwell, they'll all be around. So it could be a team like that. I'm interested. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to see what Wednesday do now that they're like three points off safety. Like, will yeah. they completely rest their team or will they try and build momentum? Because they've picked up a little bit of form recently. So, yeah, it could be a really intriguing fixture. Uh, predictions, Tom? That's hard to when you don't know what personnel, but I'd like to think we'll sneak it. Um, oh, no, you sneak it. 2-0, two, two that's, why not? All right, Ben, predictions? I think it's going to be annoying. I think it's going to end up as a replay scenario, one all. Oh, oh, God. I think we're going to win 3-1. We're going to score three goals somehow. Don't ask me how. Uh, we score in the cup. We, we, we do score in the cup right this year. I'm excited for it. I think it's a weird kickoff time, though, isn't it? 5.30. I thought they'd put yeah, it on 5.30 I... to put it on TV. But yeah, I mean, it, it makes I, it a difficult one for fans. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. We've got over an hour. Um, sorry about that. Um, hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> if you like what we do, twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian. Go to our Kofi, KOFI.com forward slash VFTNinian. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Classic Cardiff Football Shirts. Um, anything else that I've missed there, Ben, that you want to say? Uh, no, I just want to agree. It must be a ball nice to be honest. I'm starving. All right. Well, that's the commitment we give you on this pod. Uh, we'll be back after the Sheffield Wednesday game on Sunday. See you then. Bye, Tom. Bye, Ben. Bye, Sue. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny. Sports Social Podcast Network.